Hey everybody, and welcome to episode 10 of Soot and Whitewash. I'm Neil Piper, and today we will, well, I will be uh, addressing an email from a listener, a Facebook message from a listener, um, some new recording technology, and a, uh, yeah, a camera. So, stick with me, I hope you enjoy. Cheers. <laughs> Hi guys and welcome back to the show. So I'm going to start with an email that I received from a listener um, from Mr. Daniel Novak. Thanks Daniel for your email. So Daniel contacted me, um, that's probably about a week ago now, sorry Daniel, um, to say that he's made his way all the way up to episode seven and a half. That was the um, uh, episode that I put out a while, a little while back about the app the accompanying polaroid app to the to their new camera um what does he say great start can't wait to hear where you take this analog fun just one question what's with the rewind sound it drives me nuts especially since it's way out louder than the rest of the audio keep them coming cheers dan right dan i've already answered you this via email anyway um but for everybody else the rewind signed signed Rewind, re, ah, Christ, the rewind sound is the bane of my existence at the moment. So basically, if you are, if you have recorded with Anchor or you're familiar with Anchor, you'll know that when you record your segments, you can break them up with audio transitions. There's a big old choice of them that you can choose from, and they're all awful. The best one that I found was that rewind sound sound the rewind sound anyway that was the the preferable one when i started recording but it does appear um, and and daniel was not the only person to mention this that it's significantly louder than the audio that i've been recording myself now that's probably down to me using my iphone and the standard headphones stroke microphone that came with it to record the audio and no matter how close you get the mic to your mouth it still seems to be fairly quiet so what we are going to do is today in fact this very podcast um, is being recorded off anchor entirely so i am recording this the stuff you are listening to right now with an external microphone through an olympus dictaphone that well i i got um when i was when i started university because i'm dyslexic and i struggle to make notes i have a dictaphone to record lectures so it's now going to be my as long as this works it's now going to be my podcast recording dictaphone and it came with an audio technica directional microphone which i'm speaking into right now so we're going to give that a try and upload that to anchor and maybe keep the rewind sound for the moment not sure maybe just lop it out altogether maybe just start doing podcasts all in one take not sure probably not because i've already lost my train of thought anyway thank you daniel for your email um like i say i did well you obviously know i did write back to you and then you wrote back again. He wrote back again, just sort of elaborating a little bit more. He, like myself, listens to podcasts while he drives. Um, and when you do that, you need to crank the volume up a bit. It's understandable. And then you get the crap scared out of you by this stupid uh, transition noise in the middle. So, sorry, Daniel, for making your crappy pants. 
Um, thanks for your kind words uh, about the about soot and whitewash, and hopefully this will be the end of that issue. Now I know, like I say, Daniel, you're not the only person to mention this. Uh, a couple of people on the Facebook groups have said about it, and Sherry Christensen, Christensen, sorry, you uh, you mentioned it as well. Actually, no, you didn't. What did you say? Let me just read this up to you. You said you just listened to the newest episode and you were pleased to hear that the rewind sound had gone. Enjoying the content and keep up the good work. That's a fantastic, Sherry. Unfortunately, the uh, rewind sound hadn't gone at that point, like I uh, said to you. Um, what's she saying? She didn't actually say whether she... Um, whether it was there or not anyway i know it was there i'm just waffling now anyway anyway so this is why we had to have transitions because i've reached the end of what i wanted to talk about because i am jabbering so sum it up no more for the moment anchor and headphones dictaphone and microphone that's the way things are going for the moment so yes let's take a break and i'll listen back to this make sure this is recording at a decent volume and we'll see what happens from there cheers Okay, so next up in today's show, I want to talk about another camera because that's apparently what I like to do, talk about cameras. No matter how shoddy they are, if I've got them in my collection, I will review them. I will get through them all at some point. And today's camera is the classic Minolta Riva Panorama. Does I say classic? Well, maybe one day it'll be a classic. Anyway, this is a camera that I picked up last summer, possibly. Um, in a basket, literal basket of cameras that I bought at a car boot sale that I may have mentioned before, I can't remember um, and I bought a whole basket of cameras for five whole UK pounds that's, I don't know, a million bucks for you Americanly I have no idea how much that is, probably about I don't know, work it out, five pounds I can't bother to look it up at the moment anyway, um, this one has sat on my shelf in its lovely little uh, leveret Minolta case thingy which is actually in quite good nick i suppose for its age uh sat up there for just over a year and i i haven't had any sort of inclination to use it up until now um so this the reva panorama varies from uh, a lot of panoramic cameras that i've seen in the fact that it only lets you shoot in panoramic so a lot of panoramic cameras they'll give you um you'll put your normal film in and when you look at the sort of gates it just looks like a normal frame and then there'll be a switch at some point somewhere on the camera that you can switch over and it crops your normal what three to two down to i don't know three to one or whatever the ratio is i'm not I'm not sure what the ratio is 2.7 to one I, I can't remember look it up um that's not the case of this camera this camera is 100 percent of the time a panoramic camera so it takes your normal 35 millimeter film and it shoots a small panoramic obviously slit across the across the film there's no there's no mess there's no change in it there's no sort of flipping between the two it is a panoramic camera and when you look at it it, it as silly as it sounds it looks like a panoramic camera so everything sort of left to right on the camera looks to be sort of elongated and stretched like a panoramic frame. So now I'll post a, a picture of this little beauty up on the certain whitewash Instagram 
page at some point so you can so you can have a look at it but um, you look at it on the front and the uh, the viewfinder is is obviously panoramic when you look through the viewfinder it, it is it doesn't look to be like how to put this it doesn't look like an afterthought it doesn't look like there was a normal 35 millimeter version of this camera and then they decided to lop a few the top and bottom off the frame and make a panoramic camera it looks like they've actually set out to make a panoramic camera which is probably presumably what they did so when you look through the viewfinder it's uh, panoramic like i keep saying i'm going to say a word a lot on it so it's, it's really large and it's actually quite bright um and what was i going to say the frame lines in it are they appear to be quite bright even when you're sort of looking while well, i'm inside at the moment but even when I'm looking at a light, they appear to be there nicely. Uh, you've got a focus, focusing spot in the middle, and um, on the edges of the sort of the rectangular sort of frame lines, you've got two going down the. Obviously, you've got the verticals coming down the side, left and right. Coming out of those, you've got two horizontals, which, according to the manual, are uh, like leveling, so that you can. Presumably they imagine that a lot of people are going to shoot landscapes with this. Um, and I guess it's to, to level your camera sort of against the horizon possibly or wherever it is that you're, that you're shooting, which is quite a nice idea. I don't think I've ever seen that in another camera before. I'll have to have a check. But that's the, that's the viewfinder. Um, it's, yeah, as I've described. The thing, all right, this does bug me about this camera. So this camera... Uh, early 90s I think round and it's I've got it sitting here and I've got a Mew 2 randomly sitting on the table or a stylus epic for you um, American guys and it's about it's pretty much the same size and weight I would say it's the the Olympus is slightly smaller I suppose but with your with a Mew if you've ever used one they're really easy to use in that you hold it like whether you're left-handed or right-handed, I guess most people would hold it in their right hand, like I do. And the clamshell design means you pull the 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 shell the over sort of into your hand, so you don't push it away from you. Pull it, and that fires the camera up, and it's ready to go. That feels intuitive. This one doesn't have a clamshell, but it has a like a, a cover over the over the lens. But it's the wrong way round. So if you hold the camera in your your right hand, like I think most people would do, for me it is sort of intuitive that I would slide the um, the cover, the lens cover, towards my hand. Use a finger to slide it towards my hand. That's not the case with this. With this one, you have to push it away from you, and it's quite hard to do. So, I mean, it's a panoramic camera, so I'm guessing they're not assuming it's going to be like a, just a regular snapshot camera I guess they're thinking that you're going to get it out you're going to set it up and you're actually going to think about your your composition and that and then that sort of using two hands maybe to open the, the shutter cover uh, the, the lens cover is not an issue I guess that makes sense but to me at least I wouldn't be able to do it with one hand it doesn't doesn't feel right to do that I end up putting a finger actually on the, the lens to steady myself to it, to do it with my middle finger it doesn't feel right Anyway, that's aside. So, and that as well, going back to what I was saying about was elongated. Every, the, the switch seems to be really long and thin. The sort of 
opening I'm not going to say aperture but the opening around the the lens um, while the lens is circular there's a sort of a long elongated yeah, aperture hole that it sort of pokes through so like I said, everything looks to be kind of stretched which is kind of kind of interesting looking uh, on the back you've got a very well on the front you've got a very basic what the manual calls grip which is just a sort of a raised nub of plastic and on the back of it sort of on the film door you've got like a sort of sunken circle um, of plastic where your thumb goes so it's quite ergonomically it works quite well it's quite nice to hold it's light it feels like it could be a snapshot camera but i don't see why you would be shooting snapshots on this panoramic so anyway that's just my feel on that um what else we've got on here is very little very very little in the way of stuff to control on it so looking on the top plate you've got a your shutter release you've got a self timer you've got your film frame counter and you've got a flash suppressant button that's literally all there is on here got a, sl uh, a switch on the side to open your film door tripod socket on the bottom <coughs> excuse me and a manual rewind button uh, the electronic manual rewind button that you push in on the bottom of a ballpoint pen and a serial number that's your lot that's all you get there's nothing else so the self timer um it's just a case of pushing the button in so then we'll just do that and you'll get a red light <clears throat> uh, pop up on the front and that gives you 10 seconds to get into your frame i suppose once you've got it set up there we go 10 seconds and annoyingly the only way to stop that once you once you've got that started the only way to stop it is to flick the lens cover over and effectively switch the camera back off uh, in my experience i would i pretty sure that if you set a timer on a camera normally you can press that button again or press one of the other sort of buttons and that will cancel it anyway i don't ever planning on using this self timer on this camera so it doesn't really matter to me um yeah, then you've got your normal frame counter and your flash suppressant button that is annoying because i like to normally suppress the flash and with most cameras you can press the flash suppressant button and that will kill the flash for at least that frame that you are shooting if not the rest until you close the camera turn off the camera this one's not <coughs> excuse me this one's not the same with this one if you want to kill the flash you have to keep your finger down on that button while you make your shot that's irritating Minogta. not that you care now but that is really irritating you have to keep so you would fire it with your, presumably, your um, right index finger. That seems very normal. And I'm having to hold my left index finger on the top of that, on the other side of the camera, so that the flash doesn't fire. That seems, that seems particularly odd. This camera, to me, I'm assuming people are going to want to... They, they sold this camera to people to shoot landscapes on. That makes the most sense to me. So why would you want the flash to fire by default you wouldn't i don't know maybe i've got something wrong here but this doesn't doesn't seem like good thinking to me uh, the other thing that's annoying about that flash is you have no way of knowing where it's going to fire so if it's too dark then the camera deems it's going to fire it doesn't tell you it's going to fire quite often and again we'll go back to i think the the mu that has a green button to tell you that you're focused and another not button sorry a light to tell you it's focused and i'm pretty sure there's one 
a red one maybe that tells you that the flash is going to fire maybe they're the other way around i'm pretty sure there's two two lights to let you know this one there's what there's just the one there's a green light the green light according to the manual means you're ready to go your focus is locked the green light also means that if the flash is going to fire it's ready to fire now that's garbage i want to know if the flash is going to fire full stop i want to know if it's going to fire and if it is going to fire i don't want to turn it off by pressing another stupid button anyway this camera's a bit frustrating um another thing jesus yeah this camera is really frustrating your dx coding i accept that this camera will only shoot well not will only shoot but will read dx coded films and that's what they wanted it to do fine if you don't put a dx coded cam canister in there it will default um as like the um, what am i trying to say it will so i'm just trying to grab the manual back up because this is right so sorry if you're if you put a dx coded film in here and your dx coded film is slower than 400 iso so pan f50 um ilford fp4 something like that agva vista 200 any of those um if it's slower than 400 it will assume that it's 100 if you put a dx coded film in there which is faster than 400 your delta 3200 anything like that i can't think of one off another one off the top of my head like a portrait 800 or something like that it will assume that it is 400 and that is it it it's like it just knows two isos 100 and 400 if it's under 400 it says oh that's 100 if it's over 400 then it says oh that's 400 that's that's ridiculous if i wanted and, and i know i wouldn't but if i wanted to shoot 3200 in there if i wanted to shoot delta 3200 or tmax 3200 i want to shoot it at 3200 unless i manually override it i don't want to shoot it at 400 and equally if i shoot pan f50 <laughs> i don't want to shoot it at 50 i don't want to shoot it at 100 so that's that's just ridiculous and yeah if you put a dx if you put an undx coded canister in there you're going to get 100 as well so it's 100 or 400 take it or leave it basically i don't know why they bothered putting the dx coding capability in there anyway that's enough about that lens on it i've shot it now and looked at the scans it's pretty sharp actually for for what i expected it's a 24 mil f 4.5 according to the manual so quite wide as you would hope in a panoramic camera but still 4.5 that's quite slow so it's probably a daylight camera really isn't it um apart from that there's not really much else to say about it a good thing actually the focusing is the infrared autofocus which um like your again your mu um cameras like that so in theory they should be able to focus in the dark I haven't tried that but why would i be shooting in the dark when you've only got 100 or 400 <laughs> stupid thing so there are some good features but they're weighed out by the the ridiculous features um and just on the focusing again it will focus from 0.9 of a meter which is what three feet all the way to infinity apparently so it says i wouldn't uh 
I wouldn't bank on that though. Um, scrabbling around for other good things. Oh yeah, focus lock. It will do focus lock. So when you so it focuses naturally in the middle in the center of the frame. And if you don't want your focus at the center of the frame, you focus on your subject and then recompose your shot. That's your focus lock. So it will do that. Um, I think that's all I have to say on this one, to be honest. Um, there is a model that has a, um, a date back apparently on it. So a quartz data back and that will imprint the time and the date on your pictures. And according to the manual, all the way up to the year 2019 which obviously when the camera came out in the early 90s was a considerable way away. You pick up one of these now and that's that's less than a year away. Maybe it takes up all of 2019, in which case it's just over a year that you'll be able to use your data back and then it goes back to whatever it goes back to. No idea. So yeah, I think that's all, all I had to say on, on these. Let's say it's simple. I mean, if you use it in a set set of conditions, so to shoot, wide shots in bright light with 100 ISO film it's it's fine don't pay too much for it but if you get a hold of one it's worth it's, it's worth having a go with because it's actually quite a fun little camera but don't pay good money don't pay big money for it they're not worth it the lack of features <clears throat> I would say normally if a camera has got a lack of features I don't mind that as long as it does what it does what it should do well as long as it uses what little features it does have and it does it well then i would say go with it but this is going to be one that i probably retire after after this so i have shot it um i haven't scanned the pictures yet but when i do i'll put some up to people to see um, i have had a quick look at them um with a loop and they look to be okay and i even put a couple of them in the in my enlarger to try and print them then realized i wasn't sure how to print panoramic 35 millimeters because they're obviously cropped quite drastically so i'm going to look into that a little bit further anyway that's enough on this and probably it for this week's episode not sure i've got anything else to talk about uh, right now so we're going to take a little bit little bit of a break listen back to that make sure that was okay and then we'll come back and sign off cheers guys okay so let's wrap this up um i wanted to just mention um from the first section, Daniel Novak, um, his uh, details, so you can have a look at his work. He's on Instagram at Daniel Novak Photo, so that's D-A-N-I-E-L-N-O-V-A-K Photo. He's got some beautiful work up on there. He's also got a website, which is DanielNovakPhoto.com, and I wanted to draw particular attention to... Daniel, you've got a series on here called Subway Buffalo Metro Rail. These are really really cool i really like these pictures i'm not sure if they're if they're film or if they're digital looking at them right now and frankly i don't care they look quite cool so nice one dude those are really nice um yeah and who else was it oh sherry sherry uh christensen she is on instagram at rural route one film that's r-u-r-a-l r-o-u-t-e-o-n-e-f-i-l-m um, on instagram and she's rr1photography.com is her website she has a really cool blog um, at the, um, online where i think she's trying to shoot or she is sorry shooting a film a week a 52 roll film photography project 
Yes, there it is. Yeah, 52 roll film uh, photography project, which is really interesting. She takes a roll of film out each week, shoots it, and then writes about it. And it's it's really cool to keep up with. So check her out, Sherry Christensen, ri1photography.com. And that's, that's about it, I think, for tonight. As usual, you can find um, Soot and Whitewash on Instagram, at Soot and Whitewash. There's a few posts on there now, just um, a couple of pictures of cameras that I've been talking about. I'll put one up of this Reva, the Minolta Reva panorama at some point soon. Um, I personally on Instagram, at Neil underscore Piper. Um, you can look me up on there. Um, although I haven't recorded this um, episode on Anchor, it's still going to be published through Anchor, so by all means drop me a voice recording if you like through the Anchor app or like Daniel did, drop me an email whitewash at gmail.com um, That's about it I think so I will speak to you again soon Cheers guys, thanks for listening Bye